Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about building empathy. Jillian was frustrated. She said, I should be able to handle her better by now. I've been dealing with Doris since my first day here, and that's almost 10 years. And then I see this, this I don't know, this kid just ease her out of one of her moods. Whatever he's drinking, I want some. I knew both the players Jillian had mentioned. Doris was Jillian's boss. Doris was legendary in the company, her foibles well-known. I'd met her numerous times over the years as I'd coached various people in the organization. I always experienced Doris as uncontained. Her calendar was uncontained, her hair was uncontained, her office was uncontained, and her emotions were very uncontained, hence her legend. The kid Julian had referred to was Raoul. Raoul had joined Jillian's group about a year earlier. I'd met him during an off-site that I'd led. He was new to the team, but he fit in very comfortably. I'd found him to be observant and easy to connect with. I asked Jillian, "'What's Raoul doing that you don't?' "'Dealing with Doris?' she asked. She took a deep breath, let it out, and then said, "'I can't get her out of one of her moods.' When she goes into one, we're not going to get any work done, and I'll be stuck listening to her for an hour. I swear she started to go there this morning when Raul and I were with her, but he just eased her out of it, but I don't know how he did it. Looking at me directly, she went on, I have worked my ass off over the years to keep her calm. I've been so damned sympathetic. I listen to her latest ideas, and I hear about this or that executive who's out to get her, but I've never been able to do what Raoul did. And it's not just because he's young and male, I asked. Jillian laughed and then said drippingly, trust me, young men are not Doris's blind spot. Then, truly curious, she asked, if it's not that, what is it? I said, well, I wasn't there. I don't really know. But it might have to do with the difference between sympathy and empathy. But I don't know what you meant when you said you were being so sympathetic to her. So damned sympathetic, she reminded me with a smile. When I'm in sympathy mode with Doris, I just agree with her. Really, Doris? That sounds dreadful, Doris. I'm so sorry that happened, Doris. That's sympathy, right? I smiled. Of a sort. She replied, Well, for me, sympathy is way better than empathy. I tried empathy, and it nearly killed me. Really? How so? When I was empathic, she'd be carrying on, and I'd get all agitated. If she was angry, I'd get angry right along with her. Everything she was feeling, I was feeling too. So shifting from empathy to sympathy was a big step for me. Jillian, would you define empathy for me? Feeling what the other person is feeling, she answered. Ah, I said, you and I define empathy differently. Really? What's your definition? To me, empathy is being attuned to what another person is feeling, 
but not feeling it yourself. She gave a little snort. Attuned, but not feeling? Are you splitting hairs? Well, I don't think so, I said. I went on. There's a leader I know named Randy. I see her interact a lot with her team. They come to her with their hair on fire, all inflamed about this issue or that issue. She recognizes how inflamed they are, but she doesn't get inflamed herself. She's attuned to their feelings, but she keeps her feelings separate from theirs. Jillian thought and then said, So she's noticing? That's it? I just have to look across the table at a meeting and see that Jacob is upset and now I'm being empathic? Well, yeah, more than someone who doesn't see anything at all, I said. Oh, well, don't worry, you can't miss it when Jacob is upset. She laughed. But I I know what you mean. I know those people. I always scratch my head and think, are you an idiot? Did you not see that guy was so uncomfortable? Could you not have laid off a little? I'm beginning to think some people are just blind to what other people feel. I agree, I said. It's like a broadcast channel they're not dialed into. Or maybe they're dialed in, but their signal sucks. Yeah, because they aren't attuned, she groaned. I went on, emotions are a language. Some people read it and speak it, some don't. That's my experience. And if someone doesn't speak the language, they never will, she asked. Oh, quite the contrary, I said. Empathy can be learned. People can get better at it. They may not get as fluent as people who were born with it, but they can learn to read it and to speak it. What does the speaking part sound like? Obviously, it's not what I've been doing with Doris, she said with a shrug and a smile. Probably not, I agreed. That so-sorry Doris business doesn't sound very sincere. Well, I do it better when I'm with her, she protested. Even so, Jillian, you're starting from a place of judgment. Well, yeah, she said with a little head shimmy and a roll of her eyes. She's like crazy. I'm just observing that if you're judging her and her emotions, it can't be empathy. Picture this, I said. One of your direct reports is talking about something that feels terribly important to her. And you're thinking, I've been there. I know exactly how she feels. Oh, that sounds like empathy so far, doesn't it? I don't know. I guess so. Well, trust me, it does. But then it takes a turn. So it starts, I know exactly how she feels. And then you think, but she's wrong. I've been there. She is making a big deal out of this, and she's wrong. All that judgment, Jillian, means you can't really be attuned to what she's feeling. You're stuck in your position without giving hers any credit. So it's not empathy. So with this direct report, even though I don't believe in whatever she's talking about, I have to give a damn? (laughs) Well, yeah. And if you can't give a damn, you have to at least be curious. You have to be interested in how she sees it. But not feel it myself. Right. You stay separate. Her feelings aren't your feelings. She looked past me to an imaginary point on the wall. She pointed her pen at it and said, 
Okay, there are two parts to empathy. Part one is reading emotions, knowing people have them, and knowing what they are. I nodded, impressed, waiting for the second part. She went on, Part two is accepting that their life is different from mine, that whatever they're feeling is not what I'm feeling. I'm a different person, so I have to have different feelings. She shifted her gaze to me, and she smiled. This is the mother of a teenager talking. I am learning this lesson every day. I laughed. She asked, Are you one of those people walking around who are tuned into this other people's emotions channel all the time? I think I am, I said. And it's not exhausting, she asked. Well, not for me. For me, it's my norm. I don't know anything different. To me, it's just data I receive without asking, like noticing your height or your hair color. I notice what you're feeling, or at least I notice that you are feeling. So, if I wanted to get more fluent in this language, what would I do? Do you like to read? I asked. Sure, she said, turning to her screen. There's a book I use a lot. It's called The EQ Edge. It's easy to understand, has practical tools. One of the authors is named Book. She pulled it up quickly. Yeah, the authors are Stein and Book. She hit a key. Okay, ordered. What else? I said, Do you know Brene Brown? I don't think so, she said. She has a TED Talk about vulnerability that's one of the most watched of all time. I'm a huge fan of hers. On Brene Brown's homepage is a little three-minute animation about sympathy versus empathy. It always touches me. How do you spell Brene, she asked. B-R-E-N-E, I said. It's brenebrown.com. At her screen, she asked, Is the cartoon this little drawing with a bear and a whatever that other animal is? I think it's a fox, I said. Yeah, that's it. And we watched it. We were both moved. Jillian for the first time, me predictably. Then she asked, Can you give me some homework? Sure. I have three things you can try. Fire away, she said. I said, start with the belief that there's a constant signal stream out there that some of the time for you is on mute. Your homework is to try and unmute it more often. So after a meeting, don't just focus on what happened. Ask yourself, what did I notice about people's feelings? What was that person feeling? What about that person? Well, how will I know if I'm right, she asked. Being right isn't as important as trying to find the channel. Just gather more data. Notice feelings. For now, that's the homework. Do I write it down? Well, you can, but you don't have to. You're just trying to learn to read the emotions of others. Okay, she said. What's number two? Before you go into a meeting, think about who's going to be there. Then ask yourself, How do you think they'll feel about the topics on the agenda? Oh, that's a great idea, she said, lighting up. I think I'd be pretty good at that, actually, but I've never thought to do it. I am all over that one. Thanks. The third one I tried myself, and it was pretty humbling. Ask a friend to talk about something she cares about. Anything. Could be a movie. Could be her kids. After ten minutes or so, tell her what you think she's feeling. That was humbling, 
she asked. It was, I said. When I tried it, I wasn't completely tone deaf, but there were times I was so far off the mark that, yeah, it was pretty humbling. Was this like a test you were taking? No, my friend and I just agreed to do it with each other, just to practice, like going to the gym. Everyone needs to hone these skills, even people like me. So I would tell a friend, I'm going to listen to you for ten minutes, then tell you what you're feeling? Pretty much. Oh, this would be interesting to do with my teenager, she said. She thinks I'm completely clueless, and I don't know, maybe I am. Jillian took the homework seriously. She found she got better at reading the emotions of others, but wasn't always so good about reserving judgment. But she also found that when she was able to withhold judgment, it gave her distance. She liked that. She felt all three homework exercises helped give her more of the look and sound of leadership. The purpose of this episode had three parts to it. First, I wanted to define empathy and to distinguish it from sympathy. I find people have a vague, intuitive sort of understanding of these qualities. I wanted to help nail it down. Second, I wanted to be sure you know that empathy can be learned. Yeah, it's innate for some people, but even those people need to practice and hone their skills. Trust me, I know this is true. I've been highly empathic all my life, but I've come to accept that I can't possibly know for sure what other people are feeling. If I'm curious, I ask. But I have learned to stop believing the stories I tell myself about what other people are feeling. So no matter how empathic you are or aren't, this is a constant area for development. It is not a race with a finish line. And that brings me to the third point. I wanted to give you some practical exercises that are easy to do, but have big impact. Try any or all of the three exercises I mentioned, and if you stick with it, you'll find yourself getting better, having more empathy. If you're interested in this thing called empathy, three other episodes you might listen to are Building Emotional Intelligence, Dealing with Emotional Responses, and self-awareness, and self-management. But those are just three. In truth, long-time listeners will recognize themes in this episode that echo with many past episodes. To find more episodes that can help you think about your capacity for empathy, search the archive under two subject headings. Number one, managing yourself. Two, personal growth and self-development. You can find the archive on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. It's EssentialCom with two M's.com. Select the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. Every episode dating back to 2005 is there for you. They're all free. You can listen to the episodes or download them as PDFs and forward them to the people on your team. Help yourself. Speaking of PDFs, I recently heard from a team leader who chooses one Look and Sound of Leadership PDF every month to discuss at her senior staff meetings. She said it's provoked some very interesting conversations. I'm so glad. That sounds terrific. Here's another resource for you this month. This one's different from what I usually talk about. Recently, a career coach I know named Allison Garrido was guest hosting a show called Get Yourself the Job on L.A. Talk Radio. 
She invited me to be her guest, and Allison and I had this terrific conversation. It covered branding yourself and managing nervousness, handling interviews, all sorts of things. If you know someone who's in the middle of a job search, share this with them. There are a lot of really useful tools in the interview. You can find the interview on the website, latalkradio.com. The show is Get Yourself the Job. And my interview with Allison is in their archive for May 2016. Okay, that's it. Be good to the people you're leading and be good to yourself. Stay in touch, post a review. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>